0: You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome licensed therapist Erin Spar to the show. Erin has a private practice located in North Carolina, and she specializes in helping mothers navigate the transition to motherhood. I came across Erin on Instagram, and I really like the work that she's putting out around the invisible load, sharing the mental load, how to redistribute it. And I invited her on the podcast today to discuss burnout and how the invisible mental load might contribute to it. Today we discuss what burnout is, how burnout can differentiate from depression, how you would know the difference, how the invisible load and mental load of motherhood play a role in burnout, and how does the pressures of modern motherhood contribute to parenting from a place of burnout. If you've been here a while, y'all know that I love to talk about anything invisible load. So let's hear my conversation on burnout and invisible load with Erin. Do you find yourself getting frustrated with your partner because you carry the majority of the invisible load? Do you feel like much of the care work you do goes unnoticed? Psyched Mummy, Dr. Asherina Reem and I have the workshop for you unpacking resentment is a workshop that dials into the reasons why parenting feels unfair we cover what resentment really is and how to communicate your way through it we also discuss how to identify when we're ready to have these challenging conversations in a productive way We get into the nitty gritty with some really practical tools on how to divvy up the load in a way that is not necessarily focused on being equal, but is focused on feeling fair to both partners. When we let resentment build, we find ourselves becoming more and more irritable and angry. That anger and resentment can feel and become intoxicating. We may feel justified in our position. We feel right. We've been wronged. We've been hurt. But holding on to these negative feelings in our partnerships keeps us stuck. If you feel like resentment, frustration, anger has been brewing under the surface in your relationship, I encourage you to check out this workshop. To learn more, head to happyasamother.co slash resentment. That's happyasamother.co slash resentment. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Erin, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. I take in your content, see how much we are overlapping and how we view motherhood and the work that we do with clients. So I'm really excited for this chat. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love what you're doing with your platform. So thanks.
0: As therapists, we often enter this field as like generalists, usually, unless you have an epiphany very early on in your career that you want to niche down. So I'm really curious how your journey went to niching down to work with mothers. Yeah,
1: it's probably not surprising. It often happens after becoming a mother, right? Not always, but often being a mother and a therapist, you know, that kind of shapes our interests. So for me, you know, right out of grad school, my first job was more of like a community mental health, working with clients who had like depression, anxiety, more general stuff. And then when I became pregnant, things shifted, just even being pregnant, kind of being aware of, you know, how women have to keep going and keep working and keep performing, even while all the stuff is going on in our bodies. And also kind of seeing how people responded, right? Oh, this is all the messages come in about, this is such a joyful time. And there's all this like projections onto this like belly and that kind of contrast of sort of, okay, I'm kind of suffering not in any major way and kind of, a I think, a normal, healthy pregnancy and having to keep going. And then in, in the postpartum period, again, sort of the the shock of, oh my gosh, the physical and emotional transformation. I remember just feeling like I have resources, I have support, and this is like rocking my world. So how are other people doing this and why am I not hearing about this experience, right? Mm-hmm. came interested in working in the perinatal population and got some training. And then I know we're talking about burnout today, and I think that's actually become even more of my practice now, seeing moms were beyond the initial postpartum phase, but moms in all different phases feeling, you know, all kinds of mental health symptoms, right? feeling exhausted and anxious and all of these things that we'll talk about today. And it's not just because of this hormonal shift or whatever, it's it's really being a, a mother in our society. So that's something that I find I feel really passionate about kind of talking about and helping clients with.
0: hmm Yeah, it's a lens that I am working to form out more clearly for myself. Because as therapists, as an individual practitioner, the lens was always Working with the client in how they're presenting with their anxiety or depression or burnout, as we're talking about today. But I think that when we're talking about motherhood, if we don't back out and look at the context in which we're mothering, we are missing a very valuable piece of the equation here. To the effect that I've had some conversations recently, like, you know, is it depression? Is it anger? Is it unrealistic expectations of mothers? Like, what are we dealing with here? You know, and they're complicated questions and we don't necessarily have all the answers. But I think when we're talking even burnout today and talking about what might be some of the things that contribute, it's not always just within us, the individual. It's not just within the like, I'm not doing enough or the things I should be doing. And don't get me wrong, there are individual things that we Can do, like, try to set boundaries and protect space for ourselves. But there's also just such a bigger picture that plays into this emotional experience of motherhood. Absolutely.
1: There certainly is, like, the psychological kind of transformation, and so much great therapy, you know, stuff comes up in this time, you know, your relationship with your own mother comes up, you know, dynamics in your relationship with your partner if you have one, but all of that is within a an environment, within a setting, a social structure. Mm-hmm. And so I think being able to kind of zoom out and see, you know, what kinds of supports are mothers being given, what kinds of messages are they given. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think sometimes when you're in it, right? You're in the weeds of parenting, maybe it's hard to see that we're all in our individual houses kind of feeling some of the same things. And so I think calling attention to some of the broader themes and societal problems, really, Mm -hmm. I think is helpful to take it out of just this as an individual issue.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think that it's hard to see all of the influences when you're living it. I remember my adjustment to motherhood and my postpartum experiences very much consumed by my own anxiety and perfectionism and desire to do things right, that in that headspace, I'm not really aware of all of the underwritten beliefs that are driving this behavior forward, right? And so I think that we'll likely touch on some of those today too, as it relates to burnout. So I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a different perspective of burnout, and I'm really excited to dive into some of this. But I'm sure like when we say burnout, we feel it like in our body. Like I feel what that feels like. I know that feeling. But how do we describe burnout or how do we define it?
1: Yeah. So burnout is kind of three things. Parental burnout, right? Which is what we're talking about. And it actually comes from research on sort of burnout in the workplace. Mm. And there's some similarities there, right? We know that mothering, parenting is work. There's labor involved. And so it's good to recognize that. But there's some differences for sure. So first is that emotional exhaustion that you feel related to parenting. And then the next thing is sort of a disconnection from your child, um, from the family. And the third is feeling sort of a loss of pleasure, joy, and even feeling of like competency as a parent. And often people who are feeling burnout will feel like they don't quite recognize their selves as parents, that maybe they used to be sort of different or had ideas about parenting that they don't feel like match their current reality. And that can bring up a lot of like anxiety and shame and often kind of can look almost like depression if you're feeling kind of um, tired and down.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes it is hard to distinguish the two, like burnout versus depression. So why don't we go there? And then I have some other questions, but why don't we go there? Like, how do we go about determining the difference? And not that us, the sort of egocentric individual, is always best to be the one to decide. Maybe that means speaking with a therapist to help us unpack that. But what might be some of the key distinguishing pieces there?
1: I think there's some overlap, but I think the fact that with burnout... You know, burnout is really sort of an imbalance of sort of resources, capacity and stress. So if we're able to either increase the capacity or reduce the stress and the symptoms go away, right, that people kind of feel re-energized, they feel like they're competent in their parenting, they feel good about it, it gets better, right? Where depression is more complex, I think, as you know, that there's Often many different factors that can contribute and certainly burnout can lead to depression, right? If you feel like you're in this state for a long period of time of prolonged stress, you think you're likely to then maybe start to feel even more of that hopelessness that we see with depression, fantasizing about, you know, ways of, you know, resolving your pain. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. And so
1: I think that they can kind of, almost on a continuum, depression kind of is maybe what happens when you don't leave that sort of burnout state.
0: Mm-hmm. And can we talk about how modern motherhood is just priming us all for burnout? Like, can we address the freaking elephant in the room? Because like intensive mothering and this sort of approach to mothering in North America, whether you know it as labeled as intensive mothering or, or you just know it as, you know, mothering in our culture and how you've observed it in media and elsewhere like, it does not promote things like boundaries and taking care of yourself. And, you know, a healthy, well, mom means a healthy, well, baby. It is all about self-sacrifice, putting everybody's needs first, giving to your child at a loss of yourself in terms of, like, in all areas, sleep and energy and finances and time. So I feel like burnout is probably something that so many mothers can resonate with.
1: Absolutely. I think just even talking pre-pandemic, which I think blew it out of the water, it almost became universal experience. But let's say like before that, yeah, I think some of these kind of even internalized messages, which are based in kind of misogyny and patriarchy, right? This idea that women, our role as mothers is to be nurturing, is to be self-sacrificing, that's been, I think, been here since the beginning of of time. But more recently, modern motherhood, as you said, there's like so much information mm-hmm. that we have. You know, before we'd say, you know, it's there's no book on parenting. Now we have so many books, right? We have so much information that I think people want to get it right. I think just perfectionism in general is kind of an individualistic idea. This idea of competition doing your best, being super productive, you know, all the messages just in general about kind of functioning at a really high level. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens for many of us before motherhood is we can kind of maybe function at that level and not notice it or feel like we can kind of over-function, that perfectionism, we can sort of work really hard and get our way through life, through our work. And then when you become a mother, you realize that it actually doesn't, It doesn't work. You can't be perfect as a mom. And there are so many things out of your control. But the expectation is somehow that you should be in control. What your kid does is a reflection of you. You know, if my kid likes broccoli, that says I'm a good mom, right? my kid likes certain food, that's a reflection on me. Or my kid's behavior is a certain way that it's a reflection on me. So I think we're also performing that in in front of each other on social media, Mm -hmm. which is also increasing the stakes, right? That not only are we just doing our own thing in our own homes, we sort of have these weird, distorted windows Mm -hmm. (laughs) into each other's lives that aren't actually accurate. Mm -hmm. They're only, right, just a snapshot that just makes us feel, you know, like we're not competing or we're not measuring up. So that also leads to a sense of, at competition. I don't want to sort of fail in comparison to my peers. Mm -hmm. So all of that is really stressful. I feel like I even just only started touching on all of the messages. I think there's many
0: more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can really relate to that feeling of, I don't know, I can so vividly just picture myself being on my third maternity leave, which I know is a privilege to have, I also know how it disproportionately sets up the patterns of behavior to sit with moms. So sort of like double-edged sword there and sitting there in my like spit up covered, probably like leaky boob t-shirt, kids at home, all the things, scrolling social media and seeing, you know, matching outfits and family photos and curated activities thinking like, oh, I need to do more. Like I need to be like, this isn't good enough. Like we're surviving right now and, and I should be like thriving or doing more. And I think that that is something that is a real, real pressure on moms that is not spoken about so clearly, I don't think. Like had the real sincere impact that that can have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of moms feel shame. They feel like they're not good enough and really question themselves. And I think what we want to do is help them question sort of the culture and think, where is this coming from? Am I really failing to measure up? And also, are these things that important?
0: Hmm. You know, it
1: can feel important because we want to feel like we're keeping up socially. That's a human, you know, need and and it's very adaptive in some ways. But we weren't meant to, I think, have this much access to other people's kind of what they're doing and that I think is really getting in our in our way and getting in our heads Um, yeah
0: and not even like accurately what they're doing right like it's interesting like it's like maybe like my lowest point on maturity leave or something like in survival mode or in the early weeks and then comparing to like really curated family photos that behind the scenes were probably a complete and total gong show because I've done them with my family and they're never really that fun to be honest so It's not even a true snapshot. It's a curated, essentially, snapshot. It is made to look that way. It wasn't until I took on photography in my third maternity leave and entered into the Instagram space that I really started to understand what curating a picture looked like, what curating a space or like a photo or styling a shoot or like the things that go into curating content and how that is not real life, that is a set scene, like quite literally styled and set uh-huh. and every bit of junk is pushed into the back of the corner so it's out of the shot, that I really began to see like, this is not real life, but sometimes it's presented to us as such. So I think that that, like you said, can feed that comparison and feed that need for us to want to do more. One of the things that you've been said about burnout and its factors, One of the factors being emotional exhaustion. There's this currently a reel or TikTok that's going viral right now. And it's like a, and the sound is just like a noise, murmuring sound. And it's been picked up by moms for like mom brain. And it's just like all the things popping up all over the screen. And when I think about invisible labor and the invisible load, as we talk about here often, it is a recipe for burnout. Right. Like can we let's talk this through a little bit in terms of the the mental load and the invisible load and how it contributes. Yeah.
1: One of the big parts of the invisible load that makes it so hard is that it's invisible. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: it's this like backpack of tasks and things that we're worrying about and thinking about and planning for and that we're sort of always carrying and particularly moms are the ones that we know are are carrying the bulk of it. And I think because it's invisible, it's almost easy to sort of minimize and sort of ignore or gaslight ourselves into sort of, it's, it's not that bad. I didn't do that much today. I wasn't as productive as I wanted to be. The house is a mess, you know, but you've been planning and thinking and, you know, just getting a kid out of the house. Like all of the pieces to getting one child sometimes out of the house there's so much thinking, there's so much creativity, there's so much mental energy that goes into that. And I think also just acknowledging the emotional state that we're all in right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly, you know, I'm in the U.S., and it feels for us like there's just one thing Mm -hmm. after another happening. Mm -hmm. We haven't been able to recover, right? The pandemic was so much grief and so much loss and so much you know, just exhaustion from that. And we all deserve, I think we're ready for a vacation. And yet there's just new political stressors and worrying about our children's safety and things. So, mm-hmm. so I think parents are, we're not at our best. We're not at full capacity to begin with. And so trying to function, keep things moving, keeping our families and our houses going, while also trying to manage like really big feelings that many people haven't been equipped with. Knowing how to do that in our culture, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's just important to know that a lot of us are starting with kind of some heavy feelings right now that we're not able to even have time, maybe, to process.
0: Mm -hmm. I think the backpack analogy paints a really powerful picture because if you had asked me what I thought motherhood meant to me before becoming a mom, I would have been like, oh, like taking care of my baby dressing them and feeding them and going to the park and like these physical tangible things but one thing that I was not prepared for nor was discussed was this like invisible backpack that was going to be placed on our shoulders and the weight that comes with that right and then, as I add each child, uh-huh. the expansion of the load that is in that invisible backpack that is hardly ever acknowledged by ourselves, let alone acknowledged by the people around us. Uh-huh. And so here we are lugging an extra two, three times our body weight than we thought we would ever be carrying, and no one's acknowledged it. Uh-huh. And we're told this is normal and we don't even think to question it because this just arrived when motherhood came and this is what motherhood is. And one of the things about the invisible load and frankly, I think one of the first steps in getting out of burnout is acknowledging that this backpack we're carrying is valid. And like who the frick put the things in this bag? Like who said these are the things I have to carry? And just sort of having this like aha moment to realize that we've been handed this weight and responsibility that isn't solely ours to carry, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yeah. And I also think it's important to acknowledge, you know, as your kids get older, you know, maybe some of the physical labor of the infant stage and the toddler stage, where you kind of feel like you're running around, you're exhausted. As they get older, there's much more of the emotional labor, right? Of like, Managing your child's anxiety, going to sleep, asking big questions. I I was just having a discussion recently about how do you how do you talk about you know mass shootings with your children? How do I have that conversation? Mm. How do I deal with my kids' loss of you know a couple years of the pandemic? Or so I think also because of how we're socialized, we're kind of ahead in a lot of ways than often our male partners. Even the best most well intentioned. Wonderful dads, if you have a male partner, of course, that that also feels like that could be on us, mm-hmm. right? And I find that almost that load, partly because I'm a therapist and feel like I'm carrying it in my job, but then feel like my kids come to me for that emotional, you know, their needs, every boo-boo that you're kissing, every you know, worry, and so I think that's something I want us to talk about too, and how the resentment that that can kind of place if your partner does it quite know-how because men are socialized differently and almost we can feel like we're parenting them and trying to teach them how to handle feelings and things so that I think is also another invisible
0: mm-hmm. task mm-hmm. that plays into the invisible like a backpack that we're carrying and one of the things that you had said is like that we're socialized into these roles it's like It's not that our male partners are not capable of being nurturing. Mm -hmm. It's not that they're not capable of being, you know, a sensitive or emotional support system. It's that there is a lot of internalized messages about how we are to be within our genders. And moms and women are constantly socialized towards being nurturing and valuing the needs of others and putting them first and all of these things. And so, like, we inherit that backpack as well. And I just don't think that I, well, I for sure did not know when we'd be talking motherhood, like, this is what we'd be talking about, you know? Yeah. Okay, like, in the early days, it's definitely about the sleep. But, like, at this stage of motherhood, it's, like, it's about what is going on in my brain twenty four seven, and less about the physical tasks or the actual mothering individually with each of my children. Like there are such beautiful moments in all of that. It's really about this mental and cognitive and emotional load that so many are struggling to carry.
1: Yeah. And it's, i like to say it's very like creative intellectual work. Like that's skilled, highly skilled labor, right? I think there's this impression of like, oh, this is like easy. This is natural, right? And moms are it comes naturally to you and therefore it can be really cast aside and minimized and i think we also internalize that and can minimize it for ourselves mm-hmm. and acknowledging no this is like being a project manager and being a ceo and being the chef and being the whatever all of the things right mm-hmm. and so acknowledging that it's actually too much right i think it's a lot of what we have is it's too much for us to really have to carry and we shouldn't have to carry all of it. Mm -hmm. And So I think acknowledging that can be hard. What do you do with that? Maybe, you know, it's too much, but I have to do it. And that's where I think kind of almost the advocacy work, I don't know if you find that, but as a therapist, I almost feel like I'm wanting to sort of shout these things from the rooftops to say, we need to change a society to actually support moms
0: and families. as you're describing it, I'm thinking about, okay, like the RAM of my brain like only has so much, like it can only process and handle so much before I'm going into burnout or I start to lag or I start to slow down and whatever. And so if I've got too many tabs open, if I've got too many things on the go, like repeatedly, it leads to burnout. But I feel like they're all important. And I feel like they're all maybe equally as essential or whatever. We also can't run ourselves into burnout. So, can we talk about some ways in which maybe we can start to evaluate the tabs or maybe prioritize them or learn to let some of them go? Because, you know, the burnout is so valid. And, like, just even from the cognitive standpoint, let alone all the other pieces that come with parenthood, right?
1: Yeah. I think, first of all, you know, being able to sort of put it all out there in some way. Sometimes people will want to sort of write it down and have like a conversation with their partner about, you know, let's talk about all the things that are getting done and kind of who's responsible for them. So sometimes people want to just sort of spread it out and make a list for themselves or with their partner. I think in general, you know, we're not computers, right? We are people. And so I think sticking with things that feel most aligned with your values as a parent can be helpful and trying to let go of often the perfection, being a hundred percent, right? Being everything to your child. And sometimes that might mean letting our children see us rest and see us setting boundaries and saying that's important to you, but I can't get to that right now, right? So I think you know, ideally we could take things off our list, but it's more about kind of managing your own boundaries day to day, right? Because sometimes you might have more capacity And you feel like, you know, this is important to me. I want to have the Pinterest birthday party because that feels like a fun project and it feels good. And other times we might say, you know what, as long as everybody had cereal to eat for dinner, we're good. Right. And kind of, you know, getting a sense of your own capacity and making choices, I think, based on that. Mm -hmm. Do I need rest? Do I need support? Do I need to get this thing done to feel good? So kind of more of a maybe a checking in and delegating or letting go based on what you're feeling and
0: your capacity. Mm-hmm. And I think that requires a level of flexibility, right? Which is sort of the opposite of maybe like our rigid perfectionist ideals. Because if I want to get the list done, and I want to get all the things done. It's more about the checklist than it is about me being in tune with myself. And so I really think that it takes flexibility to say, you know what, today is like about survival. Like we got kiddos who are sick. You know, I was up in the night and today it's like pizza for dinner and low key. And tomorrow, maybe I will be able to do X, Y, and Z, as you had mentioned. I also like to pause and like ask myself, where is this expectation for myself coming from or where is the pressure of this expectation coming from, right? Because I think that there are many things that end up in this backpack or many tabs, if we're going with that analogy, that are open that we didn't opt into. And it's like, how can I unsubscribe, get this thing out of my inbox? Like, I do not want this junk mail clogging up the system because we've been socialized to prioritize things that we don't, as you said, even value, right? And so even just reflecting and saying like, why do I feel like this is important? I'm I'm wrestling with myself right now actually about sports for my kids. Mm. They're in swimming lessons for the summer. We have not signed them up for sports for a few reasons that we agreed upon, flexibility, potential to travel being one of them and a few others. And I'm like, oh, but they should be in sports though, you know? And, oh. uh, and like, I'm like wrestling <laughs> with this, like, but I'm the mom that has kids in no sports. And I'm like, is it harming them to not be? And I'm like going back and forth with myself because mm. sometimes these things are so ingrained, these shoulds that we should yeah. do, you know?
1: Right. I mean, as you know, like the good enough mother is enough mm-hmm. that we can't be everything. We can't, be we're not in full control of everything and so yeah I think making choices that sort of balance everybody's needs as best you can and sometimes we focus on this one child in the family has this need and so we're going to focus there right okay he really needs to get in some sports or and sometimes we focus on our needs right I I can't do it <laughs> I can't handle having another thing on my plate and it all kind of impacts the system right because if if we say yes to something and then we're finding ourselves being resentful and angry and, and is that in their best interest? Right. And so I think being able to sort of make these hard choices and recognizing that one decision, you know, probably isn't going to make or break uh, your child's childhood.
0: Right. Right. You had mentioned resentment and that's one of the things like some moms who are listening might just for themselves be identifying this invisible load, right? And then it's like, how do we take this to our partner or what do we do? And this is kind of like a, a double-edged sword conversation because on one hand, I hear a lot of moms say that there's a lot of resentment about the fact that they need to bring this to their partner's attention and mm. you know, it's just another thing for them to manage. But on the other hand, if we're just becoming aware and there are needs and things to be – maybe redistributed here or communicated where might we start with that
1: I do want to validate the sort of frustration And I think that's a social you know norm is that women are often parenting almost their their partners and that shouldn't be another thing on our plates just like self-care can feel like another thing that we're not doing or we need to do right there's There's ways that we're trying to relieve ourselves and yet it's adding to our workload. And that doesn't quite feel Mm -hmm. right. So it's imperfect. I think ideally, right. We could have these like messages change. And I think we need dads to be some of those messengers, right. Dad to dad to sort of say, Hey, like, this is what your role is here. It's a really important role to play. So I do think that dads have a huge role in, seeing what their partners are doing, being curious and, and trying to take on more. We do know that even in households where both partners really feel like they value in, um, sort of a division of labor that's equal, they think that they both want that and they kind of, that was the intention. After kids, we definitely see that that's not what's happening, that that women moms are are really doing the bulk of of the work. And And often dads don't know that they think that they did better than their dads probably. Mm -hmm. Right. each generation kind of improves and tries to respond and react to the previous generation. So many dads are probably feeling like, Hey, like I'm present. I'm helping with this or that in a way that my dad didn't do. So I think we, we want to acknowledge that, but also kind of having hard conversations more than one time. It's usually not going to be one conversation to say, hey, I need you to understand the mental, I need to understand the things that are on my plate. I don't know if you realize that, you know, I was planning the summer camps or the thinking about the dentist appointments. And I think we have to hand things over and then leave it as best we can. Mm -hmm. I know that not everybody has a partner who they can really trust to do that. And that's really hard. And that's real. So I don't want to say that you know, if you just tell your partner to do something, they'll do it. That, that's not everybody's reality. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like you have a partner who, you know, it wants to be helpful and wants to be an equal partner, I think giving them, you know, the thing that you need off your plate or asking them to take off something off your plate and then letting it happen. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And letting them do the, the prep and the follow up. Right. So if you're saying, I need you to take the kids out every Saturday so I can have some of my alone time to recharge. Don't pack the bags Mm -hmm. for them. Don't plan the event. Don't get the kids dressed or whatever, unless it's sort of a natural thing that happens. Let them take the whole thing on.
0: Yes. I think that taking over the task in its entirety is so important. I think about the example of cooking dinner, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, In order to cook dinner, you need to have a mental inventory of the food that's in the house, or you had to have meal prepped what was going to be cooked in order to put it on the shopping list, to pick it up, to know what is available for dinners. And so it's not actually just about the task of cooking dinner. It is Mm -hmm. all of the invisible anticipating and like monitoring tasks that go in and planning and all of that that get to the final result of the cooking dinner. And so Uh opening up, like you said, that ongoing dialogue to say, how can we, I say more fairly, but how can we just start to move and shift some of these things around? I don't think it's always gonna be fairly. I feel like it ebbs and flows Uh between my partner and I because there is an openness Uh and the ball kind of like rolls back and forth or the pendulum Uh kind of goes back and forth depending on the season and what is going on. But being able to... Open up that dialogue and as you said, give a task over in its entirety and trying your best to just like close the door and like let them do it their own way and figure it out and obviously be there to support if needed, but like let them figure it out and take on that entire task.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think you met with Eve Brodsky at one point about mm-hmm. the sort of fair play method, and right. A big part of that is sort of owning the full task, the sort of conception, and you know, actually doing the task. So that's really important. Right? and I think you know part of why sometimes women get involved or kind of we say like maternal gatekeep. Mm. I think it's is because there isn't that trust in their partners to do the task in a really thoughtful way. And so I think having a conversation about what is a standard that we're going to agree to that feels reasonable, mm. having a conversation about that. So if you're talking about dinner, talk about what, you know, what do we expect dinner to be? What are our goals together? What are our values? And so that you're on the same page rather than Say, I need you to do dinner, but then we have an idea of what dinner means. Mm. They have
0: an idea, and then we feel like, oh, well. I need to take that back on then, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, that's a really interesting piece. And another thing that came up in my mind as you were speaking about that is trust is earned sort of over time. Or like we learn to give our trust or to like have confidence in our partner after seeing some of these examples play out. So like, maybe we start with like the stakes that feel a little bit lower. Like if it's, we want to hand things over, but they're like, what I'm trying to say, I think is that like, if partner is gonna go out on the Saturday and they're going to pack the diaper bag and oversee that entire task, the stakes are low. If they forget to pack the diaper bag correctly, then they're dealing with a poop blowout at the park. Yeah. There's no safety yeah. concern there. It's like, then they get to do the cognitive work of, troubleshooting it, problem solving, finding a spare diaper, makeshifting some outfit together to get home and like lesson learned and, and experience banked for them, you know? And so, so sometimes I feel like when I work with moms, the stakes feel too high or too anxiety provoking. And if that's the case, we don't start with those. Like we don't go for the most anxiety provoking thing to hand over, right? We go with the things that, like maybe feel more low stakes as well so that we can better manage our own anxiety or trust around, like, you know, trusting our partner to show up in the way that we hope they would or however. It's an interesting thing that comes up, like why we're having this conversation with mothers and not with fathers. And this is an ongoing dialogue in this area of work and in this field. And I was just reading a book called All the Rage. Uh, I believe it's by Darcy Lockman. And she's like, why would the person who doesn't have to take on the responsibility be the one to initiate the change, right? And it's not that we have these conversations to put more things on mother's plates, but it's so that we can also learn to like feel empowered to set boundaries around some of these areas and know that all of this invisible work, isn't just a sign with our name on it it shouldn't have to be that way so that we can start to change our decisions or have the open dialogues it's not to add burden but it's to empower because like we're the ones that really need change to happen and fathers are getting involved and you know a need to get involved but when it comes to burnout and protecting and carving out space for ourselves i think that it's essential that we do some of this protective work for ourselves
1: Absolutely. And I think it can feel really empowering when you can start to kind of embrace, you know, I'm claiming time. I'm gonna rest, I'm going to do something for me, I'm gonna relax and feel like, you know what, my kids are seeing that. And and we should be sort of taken care of as moms just because we're humans, not for our kids. But I know sometimes it can feel easier to sort of care for ourselves knowing that it's also helping our kids. I think that is something I think a lot of moms feel. But yeah, I think it's an empowering thing to sort of make those choices to say, you know, what I matter and to see your kids, you know, get to see that and what that will do for them. You know, I think if we think about kind of even what parenting was 50, 60 years ago, Mm. right? The expectations of parenting, parenting wasn't even like a Term, right? We didn't sort of think of it the way we think of it now. The stakes are so much higher, right? Mm. And so I think kind of remembering that, that, you know, we can't shape every single thing in our kids. That's not our job. We also can't protect them from suffering completely or their own feelings. I think there is this sense of trying to kind of make sure our kids are happy. I always hear that happiness Mm. is like, a goal. And that feels like such a big goal. I mean, just trying to create happiness for another person. Mm. And so thinking of like, what is your goal? Like my goal is to have a relationship with my kid that there's trust and a sense of security and a friendship that develops, right. And want them to come to me as a guide. And so I think taking off some of the pressure of just, you know, having to be responsible for their happiness all the time. Mm. I think is helpful and sort of reminding ourselves that we're part of a family, a unit. It's not just on mothers to sort of shape people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how taking this time, I always remind myself like I'm raising three sons and. They see me protect their dad's time Mm. sometimes, and then they see their dad protect my time. Mm -hmm. You know, I've recently started going to the gym two evenings a week. I miss two tuck ins, and we do some of the routine before I go. And like dad protects that time for me. And that models to them that mom's time is valuable and she's worth doing some of these things and whatever they internalize. But I think about the husbands they'll be one day and how they will see these and internalize these messages as they grow as well and it's hard to get there it's hard to take the steps to undo the learning that had me in the day in day out pick up drop off all the things like it's a process but it feels really good when we get there and as you said like we can enjoy our children and our connection with them and our experience in motherhood so much more when we are not just constantly burnt out all the time
1: Absolutely. And I, I know we're probably going to wrap up soon, but even just thinking about the pandemic and how I know for me, I know that one way to prevent burnout is having some separation, some distance, mm-hmm. some time to, for my job. For me, that feels really important. And so, you know, when we were all on top of each other mm-hmm. and this like talk about already intensive parenting, but sort of feeling like it was 24 seven, Yeah, you know, that was so hard. And so really appreciating having access to childcare, like that's part of the village now. That's our lifeline if you're a working parent outside of the home. So Mm -hmm. I think just recognizing that there was a period of time where many of us didn't have access to anybody, any support because of lockdown. And so many of us are still recovering from that.
0: Yeah. Still dealing with the residual burnout from that. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that collectively we're probably going to be working through for a little while. So like, if you're listening and you're like, I just feel so burnt out, I can really relate to this. I think that so many of us have been in this place the past couple of years. And now as some things are shifting, though not entirely over, and though there are new news events constantly cycling that are disheartening, it's like, how can we start to move towards carving out some space or protecting some of this time so that we can recharge and renew ourselves a little bit. Thank you so much, Erin, for taking the time to be with us today. Where can people find you? Where are you hanging out online?
1: Yep. So you can find me on Instagram where I'm hanging out at feminist.mom.therapist. And that title gives you a little information of kind of how I talk about the society and patriarchy um effects on moms. So, so some of that is also in my content. I have a private practice and I see folks in North Carolina and also I'm licensed in Maryland. So you could check out my website at aaronspartherapy.com.
0: Thank you so much. We'll link all of that in the show notes. People can read the blog post, click through to your resources, and thank you again for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Erica. Isn't Erin so lovely? I absolutely loved getting to know her better. And you can just feel and absorb how she must be so compassionate and kind and caring as a therapist. So thank you, Erin, so much for being here today. If you're listening to this and hearing about the invisible load and the mental load, and you're feeling anger and frustration and resentment, and you know you need to communicate this with your partner, but you don't know how... I encourage you to check out the workshop that I hosted with Psyched Mummy, Dr. Asherina Reem, where we go through what is beneath our resentment, how to unpack it, how to effectively communicate so that we are getting somewhere as partners instead of being pitted against one another, and to leave you with some tangible tools on how to start resolving these discussions and disagreements more fairly. To learn more, head to happiestmother.co/resentment. That's happyasamother.co slash resentment. I'll see you right back here. Same time, same place next week where we are being joined once again by one of my favorite trauma specialists, Dr. Quincy Gideon, who is joining us to unpack religious trauma. Now this is an open, honest, vulnerable conversation that you do not want to miss. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description. Or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job.